Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi there. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. This is Gigi Hawkins. I'm here with Jake Von Wagner, the director of Aliens abducted my parents, and now I feel kind of left out. Welcome, Jake. Perfect. Thank you. I have been practicing saying the title at least twice. You have to. I mean, it's a long title. It's a long title. And the words get mixed up, but you nailed it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I saw IndieWire posted an article, and it was like the headline. They're like, let's mention how long the title is. Mm -hmm, For sure. (laughs) I did an interview with Collider, and he was like, so I don't know how good this is for SEO, this title. And I was like, well. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're, I think, aliens, you type that in, you'll pop up with a lot of great content. Mm -hmm. So tell the listeners a little bit about what the film is about. Yeah, so the film centers around this girl named Itzy, and she moves to this tiny town from New York City and immediately wants to get back home to New York City. And in order to do that, she gets approached to write an article for a scholarship at NYU. And so she just, she decides to do the article on this boy at school named Calvin. And he's a little bit of a weird kid to, by other people's standards. Mm-hmm. So she goes and gets to know him a little bit. He, and he believes that his parents were abducted by aliens. And so the rest of the movie is her trying to figure out like, why does he believe that and what really did happen? And so it's just kind of their journey together as they get to know each other and find out some fun things. Now, when I first started the film, we open on young Calvin and his father, who's played by Will Forte, and possibly one of the cutest kids I've ever seen, has very much like Kevin from Home Alone vibes. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, are we going to be with this little kid the whole time? And then there's a time jump. And then you've you've cast these like two wonderful, you know, teen actors, I assume, who have great chemistry and playfulness around them. And you are our first, at least in this stint of Sundance interviews, director who created a, a film for kids. So so tell me a little bit about how you came to this project. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm honored 
the first kid filmmaker in this stint. Yes, um, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I had the opportunity. So a very good friend of mine, Jeremy Prusso, who's also a producer and the DP on the movie, oh. he approached me and said that he had an investor outside of film, but he it was a long family, longtime family friend. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think we could pitch him some movies and he would like fund them or a de- to a degree. And this so- This is the dream. Yes, I- Yes, it doesn't happen. But we put together a proposal for like a slate of three low-budget films and pitched it to the guy. And the guy was like, this feels very risky. And we were like, it is. And you might lose all your money. And he was pleasantly surprised by the candor. And yeah. just, you know, we weren't trying to sell him. And we weren't like, no, this is Hollywood. You're going to yeah. make $10,000. <laughs> I guess that's not a lot. but That actually feels like the... ROI. Exactly. That feels like the correct ROI. Yes. You could make $10,000 <laughs> $10, on... $10,000. $10 million is what I meant. But anyways, we weren't like that. And he was like, that's very refreshing. And then he wired us the money the next day. Oh my gosh. Like, And we didn't, he, he didn't ask for any scripts. He didn't ask for any... He wasn't in... He's not in the industry at all. And he was just basing it off of the relationship that he had with Jeremy. And so anyways... There's a lot of trust. So much trust. Too much trust, right? <laughs> that's too much trust. <laughs> yeah. And so... I went to work finding scripts and approached Austin Everett, who's the screenwriter on this. And he had, Austin has sold scripts all over and is an amazing screenwriter. And I asked him if he had anything in this four quadrant realm that Mm -hmm. everybody could enjoy. And it could kind of be like a throwback to those 80s movies that I grew up on and that Austin grew up on. And he didn't. He had movies that were like serial killers or he had a sex comedy called (laughs) The Sperm King, which are all very fun movies. But I was like, I want to make something that my kids can watch because I have five kids. And so he came back like a month later and was just like, hey, I've been stewing on it. And I thought of this movie and then pitched the title. And I was like, that's amazing. I, and he's like, yeah, so it's about, and I'm like, no, no, I, I got it. Like it's so you sweet. get it. The, and the, the title is, you know, there's the setup and then there's a joke in it. And I'm like in a sweetness to that sort of reversal of like, and now I feel left out. Totally. Yeah. Cause I think the the thing about the movie is that the kid's not even like, when you watch it, he's not like a sad, like beaten down kid. Mm -hmm. He just feels left out. He's like, oh, I wish I had been abducted as well. And so that's kind of the gist of that. That is, so, so you, you said you wanted to, you, you wanted to hit this four quadrant. Was that part of the pitch or was that just you as a director? You, you wanted to create something for that. Yeah. So to the investor, he didn't, I mean, I have made other films and he had seen the other things that I had worked on. And it was kind of, I think he had trust in that. And Mm -hmm. also with, to Jeremy, he trusted. And so we didn't necessarily say like, these are the kind of movies we're going to do, but we, we just knew. And for me, I just knew like, you know, you love Spielberg. You love Mm -hmm. JJ Abrams. I love Sean Levy, like Chris Columbus, like all of these movies that you can watch with everyone. I think it's just so fun and important. And, and I think the there are lots of them out there, but quality, like good, like leave the theater being like, that was so fun. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. And so yeah. that was more on me as a director than it was on like the, you know, the pitch for the investor. Now, talk to me a little bit about the, fin- like getting, gearing up to get into production. So you shot here in Utah. How did you build your team? Well, so... I, so I have worked a lot in Utah. I'm not mm-hmm. from here, but I've lived here on and off for the past like 15 years. And so I've done everything. Like I started as a production assistant in here in Utah and then 
jumped from production assistant to second AD and then got into the DGA and then was a second and a first and a UPM and a line producer. So literally like made all those steps in the production ladder. And along the way, I'm meeting all these people that work in Utah that are so talented and work on everything that comes to town and just building relationships with them. So as soon as we got the funding and the script was finished or on its way, like we didn't even wait for the script to be finished before we were like, okay, we got to shoot this. Uh, I kind of knew who I wanted my team to be. I have worked so much with Utah people and done favors for them. They've done favors for me. And it was just a good opportunity to like put all these people together. We also had people in positions that were like, I've worked with them as like a art department coordinator Mm -hmm. or like a set dresser. And then we were able to move them to production designer and we were able to move like this person to this position, you know? Mm -hmm. So that assembling the team was a lot of just like Jeremy and I sitting down and being like, okay, who do we love and who is available? And that's how we kind of put the team together. Since I have done like scheduling and budgeting, I did like the first pass of the schedule Mm -hmm. and the first pass of the budget and kind of ended up being, you know, what we what we had to to go in and shoot. But we also had like a really amazing UPM who I've worked with a bunch yeah. who took over. And she was also our second AD on the movie. So we were really like, it was that kind Close of movie. Close team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I thought the film was so well cast. I, I mean, the little brother character is the most... Where did you find where did you find everyone? Where did you find these kids? Yeah. So there's only two actors that are from Utah. Uh-huh. And Kenneth, the little brother. Well, three. Cause so Kenneth, who plays the little brother in the movie, I did a commercial with his older brother, uh-huh. which was a very fun, silly commercial. And his older brother I actually thought of, but he was too old at this point. And right. so the younger brother I had worked with before, and he's so good. Like he's so funny and his timing is so good. And it was really fun to like, he's the comedic relief. And so I would be off camera pitching him lines to say, and he like delivers them so perfectly and they get such a good laugh. So he was actually the first person when I read the script, I was like, oh, this kid is going to be in the movie. So that we knew that. And then his little brother in real life plays young Calvin. So they're, yes, so they're siblings. Yes. And that little, like you said, he's so cute and he nails it. Like he's the, all of the emotions he had to play and he did such a good job. I I was, I was surprised immediately taken because I've seen just, I love kids. I've seen a lot of bad kid acting. Totally. And so, and, and, and I, well, I, what was it like to direct? Are these just kids who have been on, in front of the camera for years and they're comfortable? Or were they were you casting for who they were? Yeah, I think so with Kenneth, the older brother, he has been in things and not a ton of things, but he's been in stuff. He was in a Hallmark movie. And mm-hmm. and so he, he knows a little bit, but still like training wise, like there's not a lot of training that they've done. They're just naturally right. good. And so- but that was one of my favorite parts of directing, though, was directing those kids because I feel like, you know, I have kids and being a director is a lot like being a dad when you're trying to get yeah. something out of your kids. Like you have to be on their level and you have to like, you know, talk to them the way that they understand it. And so I feel like I had a huge leg up with understanding them and what what it would take to get them to do these things. And I loved that. And they were so good at just like taking it and internalizing it and then doing it. It was really fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, they definitely have the like Sandlot kid acting vibe Mm -hmm. where it's like these are articulate kids, but there's something very genuine. And you mentioned like Spielberg and in these sort of nostalgic, these movies that there's so much nostalgia for them. And I think that comes from genuine kid performances that are coming from a place of directing by getting on their level. Were there any scenes in particular or moments in particular that ended up being a challenge? And how did you navigate that? Well, I mean, the, the scene where, where Calvin, where young Calvin, it's the very beginning of the movie, young Calvin runs outside and sees like what he thinks is the spaceship and it's taking off. And mm-hmm. that was difficult because there were a lot of elements that went into it. And we did it, we did it once and nailed it. But there were a couple like technical issues it's the one that's actually in the film now because his performance was so good. But then trying to like replicate that at that point, then the wind was cold and he knew it was coming. So he would like hold oh, his no. coat shut. Oh, no. And so we'd be like, buddy, we got to do it one more time. Oh. So that was difficult. But we ended up like the first take, we should have just called cut and gone home. But that was a tough scene. And then really like with Kenneth, the little brother. So there's a scene in the film that's like very heart-wrenching in the diner. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's kind of a spoiler. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. But basically the little brother has to, he doesn't have any lines, but he's in the frame a ton. And it was, it was interesting to kind of like help him get into that very deep emotion of the scene. And like, it's fun to watch him in that scene because you're like pulled to the other actor that's talking, but he's like there in the corner, just like so sad and so like heartbroken. And it's, and he did such a good job of just like, I'm like, I'm like, just listen, listen to this, listen to what's happening and like really just like feel it. And he did. That's like one of the things I'm most proud of from him is because he doesn't pull focus. Yeah. You, but if you, ca- if you do catch him, you're he's just there. like, oh, he's in it and he's like destroyed right now. Yeah. Oh heartbreaking in a good way in a good way you gotta make ours you gotta pull up the heartstrings yeah so what was the biggest challenge with production were there were you guys testing out any oh i do want to call out that that scene that you're talking about is in the sundance reel it's the second shot of the sundance reel yeah how amazing is that i mean it's a great shot and it's it's one of those things that just like has movie magic vibes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's get into production itself. What was one of the biggest challenges of production? Yeah, I think just we shot the movie in 15 days. Oh my gosh. Which is bananas, right? Like what we, we could have shot more, but it was really important to us to, we've, we've been, I think everybody that has made a movie have been on those sets where it's like, only the direct the director only cares about themselves. They only care about their movie. They don't care about the crew. And these were all my friends that I've worked with, and I've been a line producer, and so I've known like I know what a bad rate is. And so we tried really hard to pay the crew an equitable amount so that people weren't leaving the project being like, "Okay, good for them, but right. not for us." So right. so we trimmed it down to fifteen days to pay people a 
reasonable Fair rate. rate. Yeah, that, that made people happy and feel like, okay, cool. Yes, this is what I make and this is great. So that was kind of the biggest challenge was putting the money into the places where we knew that like we needed to keep the crew happy and and support them. And then also like just bang through that schedule, like 15 days. It was like a 93 page script. And so there were some days we were doing like 12 pages wow. outside at night with tiny alien kids. And <laughs> yeah, that I think that night was also another really tough night. Like just, yeah, the, it got down to seven degrees and we had kids on set and that was a Will Forte night. And Will is funny about like, he's tells a story about being so like, how could they do this to me? Like yeah. <laughs> I'm Will Forte and he's the, he's the sweetest man, but being yeah. like, you know, he, what he wears in that scene is just basically like a, a jumpsuit. <laughs> and he's like, complaining about it. Then he looks over and there's like 15 little kids over there and they're all just like having fun and hanging out. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm okay. (laughs) But that scene was tough and we had a lot to do. And really it, it ended up being the kind of filmmaking where I'm like, I have this plan in my head. I had storyboards. We didn't cut the camera and I'm just like, okay, Jacob and Emma turn here, say this line to each other. Okay. Now just rotate 10 degrees. Like, let's do this. Like now we turn into an over the shoulder yeah. and then, okay, just flip to the other side now, hurry and pull the light over here. And now we'll do the reverse of that just because we didn't have any time. So when you're watching that scene now, you can see that like, you know, we were rushing and it, hopefully it doesn't feel like that, but we were really like being crafty with, instead of having to set up new lights and flip everything, we were just like, okay, now you two flop and yeah. now say your lines to each other. And Smart. Yeah. I mean, and and you knew that you knew exactly what you needed because you you knew what the you knew the shots that you needed. Totally, it wouldn't have been able to happen if I was just like, okay, what do we? How is this going to work? Like, I had a storyboard and a plan, but once it got down to like, okay, we have two hours left and we have five pages left. Like, okay, this is how we have yeah. to do it. And now, little alien, come up here. And now, Jacob, pretend you're talking to an alien while the aliens are sleeping in the tent. Oh, and like, snap. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's also kind of fun too. The two like main little aliens are my kids. Uh-huh. They're my boys. And then we had like two of our other producers, they brought their kids and niece. And so they were all family. Yeah. So we weren't abusing any kids that were not family. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I, you know, when making a film that is on the indie side that you can do is you can get a a star attached. And you had Will Forte. You also had some other names attached. What was the process of approaching them? Did you shoot all of Will's scenes back to back to back. Yeah. Will Forte is the sweetest man on earth. Oh. Like he the last man on earth. He is the last sweetest man on earth. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be the spin-off of <laughs> yes, his show. Yes. I've um, heard I have heard wonderful things about He working. really is. I mean, he's just the greatest guy and so fun. And what happened was I was a second AD. It was my first DGA show as uh-huh. a second AD. And it was a Jared Hess movie who did like Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho yeah. Libre and all those things. He, he, we were doing a movie in Utah and one day he came in and they were delayed on set. And so Will was, this is a movie with like Sam Rockwell and Jermaine Clement and Amy Ryan and Danny McBride and wow. Will Forte, like my heroes. And they were all so wonderful. But Will had like, we had like three hours before he needed to go to set. And it was just he and I in base camp. And I'm working on the call sheet. And he came and knocked on my trailer. and was like, hey, let's go grab some food. And I was like, I can't do that. And he's like, nah, come on. <laughs> I'm Will Forte. Yeah, yeah. And so... I like you. You have a slight... You have a Will Forte impression. I, I knew. I probably need to lose that because I don't know how flattering it is. <laughs> but it is... He has just like that... Such a like a, a sweet... Like 
approachable voice. Yeah. But so we walked around and talked and kind of became buddies. And then he went off. That was right when Last Man got greenlit uh-huh. for like a first season. And so he went off and did that. I went off and did other things, moved to New York for a bit. And then when I moved back to Utah, I started, I created a show with my friend McLean Nelson. And it was like this improv show. And we invited him to come and be on it. And he was so cool and came. And then from there, we really became like like actual friends, yeah. like really good friends. He's funny because... He, he will be friends with everybody. And so I think everybody is like, yeah, I'm friends with LaForte. And it's true. It's probably true. But he also walks around. He's like, hi, gmail.com. Hi, at gmail.com. Like that's his actual email yes. that he's giving We should out. probably bleep that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, editor, can we bleep out the actual Gmail account? We probably should. Thinking about that, I'm like, oh, he yeah. will hate that. But he literally goes around just giving everybody his email address. And yeah, that's how cool he is. And so from there, we when we wrote this movie, we knew that like there was the dad character that would be perfect for him. And it didn't need, like he didn't need to come in for a ton of time. And right. we didn't even tell him what it was. And I was like, I'm doing this movie and I'm directing it. And he's like, I'm in, oh. I will do it. Yeah. And then it worked out. He just finished a universal movie. We flew him in for two days. Yeah. Like he came in like on a Thursday night and we shot him Friday and Saturday. And he had so much to like memorize in those two days. And, and then he, was gone. He like came and went and then we continued shooting yeah. the movie. Yeah. No, did I, I actually don't know. Is he a dad? So at the time he was, yeah, he had just had his first kid. And so that I think is partially, and he says this too, it's part of like, you know, doing like he's a dad now and he and he's kind of getting into that phase of mm-hmm. life. And so doing a movie like this was cool really for him because for him. yeah, because he is now a dad. Now he has two kids. And so it was fun for him to like, really be like proud of that. Yeah. And like this, this will be fun for his kids to watch. There's a tenderness between him and the, the, the young man who plays his son that oh, I boy. loved. I loved seeing it. And it was, it was so just so, yeah, so heartwarming. So sweet. Yeah. I love it. I've heard also, it's like, Will is like this, this, you know, sweet, but like, we do, he doesn't. He doesn't get to do a ton at the right. beginning of the film, but then when he at, towards the end of the film, when we see him, he he gets to be Will Forte a little bit. Like he's a little bit, you know, gets to be yeah. fun and gets to be his self, and which is so fun. Everybody loves to see. Yeah, that. Uh, there's a great moment where he speaks the alien language. Yeah, <laughs> that part of me is like, did he improvise that or? That's probably my most embarrassing moment on the movie as a director. I had. I I had such a strong vision the whole movie and thought I thought of everything. And then we get on set and then he's like, wait, okay, for this part, like I'm leaning down and talking to the alien, like, what am I doing? It says, it, and in the slug line, it just says, uh, you know, uh, Cyrus speaks to the alien. It's like, what am I doing? And I was like, oh no. You didn't, you forgot <laughs> I, to translate. I don't have anything for you to do. And he's like, let me, okay, let me just try this. And so what is in the movie is him just like improvising this little like alien language, which then informed what we did for the aliens to speak. Yeah. So it was really like, he really saved our butts on that. But it's, um, a, it's a, it's a very funny, very It's cute. Yeah, moment. it's cute. And it's funny. And off the top of his head, I was like, oh, that's so fun. And I'm so sorry. I didn't think <laughs> of that, but he's so rad. He's a collaborator. And yes. I think the, We've been obviously talking to a lot of people, uh, but the teams, for example, Laurel Parmet from the Starling Girl, she was like, I only want to work with actors who are kind, good people. Yeah. I, I just, the divaness will add unnecessary anything. Okay. And and so it's always refreshing to hear when like a, a name like Will Forte is 
like a human person who can play ball and yeah. improvise alien talk when needed. For sure, yeah. And that kind of go, that goes the same for Elizabeth Mitchell. So yeah. she she was introduced to us through a friend who has worked with everybody and and he gave her the script and she was like, "Oh, this seems so sweet. This feels like such a cute movie." And so she came and did it and the same with her. She was only on set for two days, but she was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And she was stepping in towards the end of filming where we were all buddies. Yeah. We had been, you know, it was a very fun set. We had a lot of fun. And the day she came, it was like, the energy was like, you know, because the scenes are so heavy and yeah. there's just like, so it was a real shift. And it, but she still was so wonderful and very like, I don't know, just one of those actors that's like, and while I'm directing her, I'm thinking like, you already know, it. you're going to do this 10 times better than what I'm asking you to do. And she did every yeah. time. And she'd be like, do you mind if I try this? And I'm like, yes, please try that. Yeah, always. <laughs> and I mean, then, and that's such a good way to be open and receptive as a director, like trusting when talent is... I, we were talking to Logan Brown, who is the lead of Dear White People. And she directed a short for the We Right Now shorts, and which is very funny. It's called Hey Boo. And she was like, sometimes like when I'm acting, I, I want to try something and every now and, and then when when directors are like, oh, it's, no, it's like, well, I feel stifled as talent. Totally. Yeah. And that's also like as a director, that was, that was something that I learned very quickly. It's like, oh, if you're not accepting, I mean, that's why you cast that person, yeah. right? And so if you're not accepting those things and and to be fair, it doesn't work every time. Right. Like, but always I do feel like there's space to have the actor do at least the thing one time that they want to do and then tweak. And we did that all throughout the movie. But with Elizabeth, it was just every time when she was like, can I try this? I'm like, yes. And that's what we put in the movie. It's like, I could have closed my eyes and gone to sleep and she would have done just fine. Yes. <laughs> now, this is not your first film. Right. That's true. This is number two, right? Mm -hmm. So I do want to dig into specifically the first film in a moment, but what did you take from your first feature as you went into number two? What, what, what were you like? I will never do that again, or I will always do this again. Honestly, I think it was just like the, the attitude on set, like the playful attitude. Like I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've listened to this podcast a lot. I've listened to directors talk about like what makes a good set. And I've been having been through all the different department or, you know, PA second AD, I've seen a lot of directors and I know what, how you get the best out of the crew and everyone. So one thing that I, I guess I will always do this again was just make it a fun atmosphere. Like in the end, we're just making a movie. Like it's not the end of the world. It is amazing and it, and it can change people's lives and it entertains and uplifts people. But in the end, it's like, should never be something where people are like losing sleep over or that you have to yell at someone for something. And so that's kind of my goal always as a director is to just like make it fun. Yeah. And that also helps people be like, yes, I definitely want to work with him again. And so, and then as far as I will never do that again, I don't know that I, I don't know that I ever, that I had any lessons like that. I do think it's crucial, maybe settling Yeah. Like, I think it's important to be collaborative and to be open to like, you know, the people around you and your team, like the other department heads to collaborate and and listen to their ideas. But I feel like settling or compromising too much probably Mm -hmm. has hurt me in the past. And so finding the balance between like, this is my vision and recognizing the difference between someone's idea that I feel like I should incorporate not to hurt their feelings or to be like, that doesn't fit the vision. And so I have to keep like, on this path. I think that's probably what I learned most. Now, the first movie that you made is a Christmas movie. 
and get which it. is <laughs> which is such a smart way to get started. Something that I talk a lot about with my friends off the podcast. This is my first time talking about it on the podcast. Oh, yeah. So uh, tell us about that. Yes, I love Christmas. First of all, <laughs> I needed to. I, I felt like it's universally, you know, known enough that that a Christmas movie, you know, what it's going to be, and you know that like it's going to have certain elements to it. And so, we with that movie, that movie was very like, look, I was on a TV show, mm-hmm. and I was working as the second AD still, and I partnered with my friend McLean, who we've done mm-hmm. a ton of movies together, and he produced this one as well. And we just said, look, we have six days on my hiatus over Christmas to shoot a movie. Yes. Six days. Six days. Okay. So we're getting, we're doubling our shooting days every time we we, we make a movie. Soon you'll have 30 30 days. days. (laughs) Oh, I hope. But we knew that just like we had a short amount of time. And so I kind of pitched him an idea of a story. And basically the story for this movie is that there's a brother who can time travel and he like he's been aloof and been gone their parents the two brothers their parents died when they were young and so they kind of have their an estranged relationship and so the movie is really about them reconnecting and mm-hmm. and the you know getting to know each other better and so mm-hmm. we kept it contained yeah. we kept it you know writing the script we knew like i love time travel so i wanted that to be an element of it and i thought like originally the title was the stumbling time traveler yeah. which is silly and then I we do change. like that title. Yes. It, yeah. So fun. But the guy is kind of a little bit of an idiot. And he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like a John Candy, like Chris Farley type character yeah. who I also play in the movie. And we changed the title to make it be, you know, a little bit more like family, like appealing. My brother, the time traveler. And then eventually we changed it again to Christmas time. Uh-huh. So go watch it. It's really fun. Yeah. But yeah, we just, I guess I just knew that we had a short amount of time. We wrote the script specifically to be like, look, we have a cabin that we have for free and it's up in the mountains. And so we just need to stage everything kind of in and around this area. And we did, we went up and shot it. A lot of the same people worked on that movie. How big was the crew? Oh, it was like nine people. Like we all, we were also completely snowed in. Like, and we knew that to get to the cabin, we had to take snowmobiles. It was like a 30 minute snowmobile ride. So we put all the G&E gear, the cameras in the sleds behind the snowmobiles and went up there on a Sunday night and we stayed for six days. We all slept there, woke up, made breakfast for each other, Uh like then went and shot like 14 pages. And then yes, it was very, very fun. And we did it for $5,000. Holy shnikes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. And that, but that was a really fun thing where we were all invested. We all still to this day make money. Like we, you know, we got the movie out there and distributed it. And every Christmas, literally, I get to cut a check to everyone that worked on the film for their portion of working on the film. Because everybody did it for free. And the $5,000 was to cover like the hard expenses. And yeah. And so that that was also a great learning experience of like collaborating and like being a team and like making it worth it for mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. You know? I, I what was the distribution for that film? We we went through a company called Candlelight and they have just a good relationship with like it's on Peacock and it mm-hmm. was on we got it on Amazon like Prime for a long time and then it when Amazon went to like IMDb IMDb TV mm-hmm. and then I think maybe it's even something else now but anyways so like just people renting it like yeah. renting the movie and it just like literally when you make a movie for 5 grand anything is a profit after that Absolutely. So, but we've we've gotten to the point where we've paid everyone more than what they would have made had they been paid a good day rate on the film. Yeah. So 
really cool. That is awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> totally. What was the editing process for that? So I have I had buddies that jumped in and helped edit it, and then I personally cut a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. And then it needed just like some it needed help from a from a really good editor. And so <laughs> I have a friend named Garrett Batty who is a really good director and also an amazing editor and basically showed him the cut and he loved it enough to be like, let me just give me this for just a minute. And then he took it and just really like pumped up everything, made it a very fun, yeah, tightened it. And then did things with the edit where when you watch as a director, you're like, I didn't shoot that. How did you do that? And he's like stealing shots from other scenes and reactions from other places and turning the movie into just like a very fun Cool. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to watch it. Yes. Um, yes. I feel like this is such inspiration for emerging filmmakers. Totally. Not uh, one of my longtime collaborators, Ryan Thomas, who is a DP, who I also have known since kindergarten. And we reconnected here Sundance 2020 and then have shot a bunch of shorts together. Mm -hmm. He shot 60 shorts. He's had two here at Sundance and he says he's been on like $35,000 shorts. And he's been on like $2,000 shorts. Mm -hmm. And he's like the sweet spot for things that are getting into festivals. It's like around $3,000. And then he's like, well, I I sometimes wonder, like, what if we took that that money, especially for those more spency shorts and made a movie? Totally. Um, So the micro budget thing is is sometimes intimidating because it means you you have to let go of control. But I mean, it sounds like you just surrounded yourself with people who were down. Well, I think that's the biggest thing is like, yeah, finding the group of people that you gel with and, and also not just trying to get things from people. Like I feel like I, I will do favors for people. And mm-hmm. still, if somebody asks me to come and like, will you just line produce this for me? I'm like, that's not my favorite thing to do, but I for sure will do it. For and you, I know yeah. that I'm good at it and I can help and it will, you know, and that just creates like just that good relationship yeah. with people. And that's the, that's the biggest, that's the only reason we were able to do it, you know? Yeah. And that, that joy bleeds onto the screen, which is a really dark way of, it, it spreads onto the screen. No, I like that. It does bleed onto the screen. Yeah. There will be blood (laughs) in all of these films. Yeah. So, so find, surround yourself with people you gel with, then surround them with snow. Yes. So they cannot leave. (laughs) Yeah. And then, (laughs) then you make the movie. No, it really is. Yeah. I I think, and that's also kind of a thing you hear a lot. Like I, I listen to all these podcasts and it's like, yeah, find the people you gel with. And it's like, that is true though. Like it is. And like, I've been so lucky to have people that, that I just get along with like Jeremy, my DP, who is also, we raised that money together. He and I met in film school. Really? Yeah. And that's like 12, 15 years ago now. And we still work together. And so yeah, those relationships that you make, even though film school was like, eh, whatever. Like I learned more in a day on set, but having those relationships, I still have those friends. Yeah. We work together. Now, what advice do you have for emerging filmmakers? Like folks who, what what advice would you have for yourself? Like a couple of years ago when you were setting out to make your first feature, for example. I think the the to not compromise, like you are the director or you are the producer and you know what this project needs to be. And so to really just be confident and, and push through with like what that is, that doesn't mean you can't accept other ideas, Mm -hmm. but I just have had so many experiences where I've tried to people please, or I've tried to like, okay, I have to collaborate. I have to incorporate this and it ends up hurting the film. And so I think just be confident. Like that's the reason why you're doing this because you know, you're the person that knows. And so you have to really just take the reins and then just own it. And that's the thing that I feel like it's outside of people's personalities or their comfort zones sometimes, Mm -hmm. but like 
you're the director. Like you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do we know when the film is coming out? We don't. We are looking forward to a sale here at Sundance. And so, yeah. And then just hopefully soon. Well, in the meantime, our listeners can watch Time Travel on yes. Peacock. and Yes, Christmas time. Christmas time. Christmas yes. time. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. I, which I also think is just a very smart title. Thank you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Though I do like The Stumbling Time Traveler. Well, that all, the, maybe a sequel. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Stumbling. Or like, you know, some people, they remake their movies down the line. Yeah. Okay. So, well, but I not, not to say that this needs that. Nice. And where can people follow your work? So I have, yeah, jakevanwagner.com. And then also Jake Van Wagner on like all of the socials. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jake, for being here. Yes, this was awesome. Thank, uh, you. thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And you can like and rate and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on the web at nofilmschool.com across all the socials at nofilmschool. And you can send us your questions at editor at nofilmschool.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>